Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Frank Pizor. So without further ado, here he is. Luke 11, chapter 1. Lord, teach us to pray. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father. I'm going to stop there. I know that there's a lot more to do, but I just want to stop there because that's all that I want to focus on today. Father, a relationship in prayer. Now, prayer is simple. You could be praying right now. You might be praying something like, Father, I'm here today. Uh, I'm, I'm hungry. I'm ready to listen. Uh, speak to my heart. Sometimes I find when I'm praying before a service or during a service, I'm praying something simple like, Father, may our hearts uh, be receptive. Let us hear what you have to say. Uh, be clear to us. Give us strength and courage to do what you're asking. Sometimes I've gone to church or attended a conference and I sat there and I've prayed something like, God, I am in bad shape right now. Uh, nothing looks good. I'm, I'm ready to give up. I really need something right now. I need something for you or from you. I don't know what it is, but I'm just in need and God, God help me. Simple. It's a simple, heartfelt expression, speaking to our father, asking him to do something or to just simply be there with him. So what is prayer? Prayer is heartfelt communication, talking, or relationship with God. It's not talking to God. That's a part of it. But it's talking with God. It, it means conversation. It means relationship. There's something there that occurs between two people. Unless, of course, you're in a corporate prayer meeting that happens with a lot of other people in relationship with our Father. But on an individual level, it's communication with. It's not like I have a tendency to do when I pray. I'll read the Bible. And okay, okay, God, that was good. I heard what you said. I like it. But now let me tell you what we need to do today. Or let me tell you what needs to happen over the next month or so with this prayer focus. And then I will let him know what needs to happen. And then something like, God, I hope you get that. And uh, now I'm going to go do some stuff. Right? Isn't that sometimes how we pray, right? But it's communication. So a willingness to sit there and say, you know what? My agenda might not necessarily be the right agenda. So I'm going to sit here and I'm going to listen. Which can be a frustrating experience too, right? Because I know that when I'm praying and I try to listen, here's what happens. Okay, God, um, I think this is what I see. Uh, here's what I'm asking. And uh, now I'm going to listen. And uh, just quiet. Oh, you know, I forgot to do that. Right, I'm going to write that down. Oh, man, I got to call that person. Oh, and I forgot to call that, I had that meeting yesterday. I missed. I'm sorry. Hoping not. You know what I mean? So now I'm distracted. It is hard to listen and communicate with God in prayer. But I also think that it's something that we can do as we train ourselves and the Lord teaches us how to pray. It's not just a matter of speaking words at him, but us in communication with him. So prayer, I want us to leave with just the simple fact that prayer is something that's simple. Now, mind you, there's probably some complexities, but we're not going to deal with that today because I only want one thought, simplicity 
relationship with our Father. So why don't we pray? Why don't we pray? Well, many times we don't pray because we're too busy, right? Is anyone here not busy? Who's going to raise their hand, right? Because we're all going to look at you and go, what are you doing, you lazy bum? Do something. We're all busy. Okay, so uh, somebody is pointing to somebody else, but that's not fair. <laughs> well, a lot, of, a lot of Adam and Eve going on here. Yeah, you know, a lot of times we say, oh, man, I'm too busy. I just don't have time to pray. You don't understand. I got all these things that I'm supposed to be doing. And when I hear that, what I hear are confused priorities. I like Bill Heibel's book, Too Busy Not to Pray. It is true. I think most of us are very, very busy. We are trapped in a culture that is busyness. And those of us who aren't busy are really seen as slackers. What is it that you're doing? You must be active. And so we go, you know what, I'm just got to, you understand, you know what is on my heart, and I'm just going to move on. And those confused priorities view prayer as duty and asking rather than relationship. Imagine the parent, because we're going to be talking about father, imagine the parent who says, hey, uh, I'm too busy right now to play with you. Does anyone remember a song by Cat Stevens, Cats in the Cradle? You know, the dad, the son keeps going, dad, play with me kind of thing. This is a paraphrase. You know, hang out with me, play with me. Dad goes, you know, a little too busy, got some stuff to do. And the years pass and uh, the kid grows up and dad's kind of an absent father because he's too busy. And then the kid gets his own busy life and dad's getting old and he's feeling, you know, I'm about to die and I want to spend time with my kid. Hey, son, you want to spend time with me? Hey, sorry, dude, I'm too busy. Sad. It's sad. And in a lot of ways, that busyness that we have is sad because we're saying, you know what, God, you're my father, but I just don't have time. It's a confused priority. For some of us, too, it's language. I mean, what's the language that you use? The heart language thing is good, but sometimes I just need something a little bit more. And I think sometimes we can just go to God's word and pray some of the prayers that are there and use the language that he has given us to pray. And then the toughest part is, When you go through a campaign like this or a prayer focus or you hear a message on prayer, everyone feels like, you know what, I I, I feel guilty and shame that I don't pray enough. So I'm going to focus really hard and I'm going to press in and I'm going to pray. And it becomes now a duty rather than a delight. Because at the end of this prayer focus, we don't want you saying, I have prayed my 11 minutes and some days 12. So I went beyond what you asked me. But to find it's only been a duty and not a delight and a joy. How many of us as couples remember those uh, first days of when we're dating? The, the t- Very good. That's, all right. What'd you do last night? <laughs> I forgot to take out the garbage. Huh? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a delight. You know, I mean, think about it. And this is the funny thing about doing youth ministry, especially with kids. Kids go, oh, man, you know, I don't have time for my quiet time. Please pray that I'll do my quiet time. They get a boyfriend or a girlfriend. They spend four, five, six hours on the phone. Now it's text messaging. But in the old days, when I was uh, a little bit younger, uh, it was that much time on the phone. And, and just where do you find that time? I don't know, but I can't pray. Please pray that I find time. What do you mean? You just spent four hours on the phone. So we don't want duty, but delight. We spend those four hours because there's a delight and there's a joy. Like, I want to be with you. I will, uh, what's that song say? Uh, Cross any 
see, climb any mountain or whatever it is. I'm not really good at lyrics. Ask my family. I'm horrible. I make up my own for the songs. But that's the idea. I'll do And, and like, what's his name from uh, Last of the Mohicans? Wherever you go, I will find you. Right? Isn't that the words, right? Because, <laughs> you know, the guy's like madly. They're in the waterfall. And they're all about... It didn't say like that. Okay, that was a little creepy. Sure, but you get the idea. I get you. Okay, I don't know what you mean. Right, but anyway, you get the idea. There's a passion there, right? There's a passion. There's a passion. That's what it, it, That's what this, this whole sense of praying is about. This is, I really, really want to be with you because you are my father. It says here, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father. Now, we've talked about discipleship a few weeks ago, and that's what a disciple is supposed to do, right? A disciple says, I want to imitate you. I want to imitate you in everything that you do. And these guys are watching Jesus pray. And I don't know why this disciple is asking this question. What I mean by that is, I don't know if he's asking Jesus, because when he watches Jesus pray, he's like, wow, that is so beautiful. That is so, so just deep. I I, I want to pray like that. That might be one of the reasons. It might be that as he watches Jesus pray and he sees all of these answers, these really really interesting answers that he goes, wow. I mean, Jesus, when you pray and ask for things, God answers. I want to learn how to pray like that. Or he might just be doing the disciple thing, learning a rote prayer, because there's something about that that, that, that's consumed this disciple that says, I want to be like you. And I wonder if in part they're asking because they see the relationship that Jesus has with the father and says, you know what? I don't want to just pray the rote thing, but I really want to experience what it really means to be in communication with God that goes beyond just talking to God. So, Lord, teach us how to pray. And Jesus is going to give them this sort of rote prayer. But I think... And I could be wrong, and we may get to heaven one day, and he says, you are off. But I think what he's saying is start out with Father, because the idea or concept is to get into our mind that even if we're going to say this rote prayer with the hope that it goes beyond that rote prayer, that at least you understand that you are speaking to your Father. 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 The idea here of of a God who is a majestic God. So when the disciples say, hey, Lord, teach us how to pray. And Jesus said, when you pray, start out with father. What he's saying, think about this. The God who created and sustains the heavens and the earth is your father. Now, that's a great launching point because you're not just praying to one of the many gods that are up there, but you are praying to the God of all gods, Lord of Lord, King of Kings. Not bound or trapped in time, but eternal. And you are coming to him as majestic God, who is your father. To have fellowship, communion, communication. In a sense, a Jewish person in those days would understand because to them, even saying father was wow. They didn't even say the name of God to say Jehovah was like, whoa, you're like a little too far on that one, buddy. They would say the name. 
Jesus comes along and says, hey, this eternal, majestic God is your Father. Come to your Father when you pray. But it's not just the majestic God that's the picture of the Father, but it's actually the picture of a Father who is a person, a personal God, one who really mixes it up with you as a father and a son and a daughter, as family. So yes, come with a sense of awe and respect that you are speaking to the eternal majestic God that has created and sustains everything. But come with the sense that he is your father. A a person, a real person, a person who desires to give and receive in relationship. So that it is not some sterile duty that you might do several times a day and go, Oh God, our Father who art in heaven, let me thy name, thy kingdom come, they will be done. Not like that, but Father. I am here, Father. I mean, years ago we did a skit about all the interesting things that, that people do in the midst of prayer and, uh, one of the things, sometimes people come into an office like a president. This whole skit is the idea of a president sitting there and his ministers and his cabinet members come in. And uh, one of them, like the secretary of war, comes in and says, we got to do this. we got to do that. we got to do this. we got to do this. And then he moves on and goes. Another person comes into the office. Uh, I don't know. We'll say the secretary of state. And they're going, oh, life is so horrible. The world is falling apart. What are we going to do? It's miserable. And then they go off on their way. And then somebody else comes in and they do something else. And finally, his son comes in and his son sits there and and he just is quiet during this skit. And the president goes, uh, so what do you want? And the son says, I just want to be with you. That, brothers and sisters, is prayer. I just want to be with you. You are my father. You are above it all. But you're focused on me and I want to be focused on you. And this is Fantastic. Let's do this thing because this is great. And then the asking stuff comes later on. It's a relationship. It's not, it's not a formula, but it's sort of like a familiarity. See, the crux, I think, of prayer is not getting answers from God, but experiencing relationship. I'm not saying you can't ask. I'm not saying you shouldn't be seeing answers to prayer. But I'm saying the bottom line, the heart, the meat of really being with God in prayer is being with God in prayer. It's relationship. If you walk out of here with anything, my hope is that it will be, that is what prayer is about. That it will stir in you desire and delight rather than a sense of duty, rather than a sense of, oh man, these guys are dragging me through this, rather than, man, why did they wait so long? Relationship. It's Father. Well, let's move on. Let's slip down to verses 11 through 13. Verse 11 through 13 reads this way. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask them? What kind of father do we have here? What you have here, I think the picture that Jesus is giving us is a giving and generous father. I mean, he, he's contrasting. He's saying, come on, you, you as parents, when your kids ask you for something, you don't give them something that's opposite 
or harmful or going to hurt them. You give them what they ask for. So I wanted to serve an illustration. So this morning, <clears throat> Kaylee comes out to me and she goes, hey, dad, can I have eggs for breakfast? And uh, I thought, oh, this is great, man. So I got some spiders, chopped off their legs and uh, put it in the frying pan. And I said, Kaylee, I'm not going to give you eggs for breakfast, but I'm giving you something that rhymes with eggs. It's spider legs. Okay, I just made that up. But you get the idea, right? I mean, no one's going to do that for crying out loud, right? Hey, Dad, can I have breakfast? No, you're getting spider legs. I'm going to put some spices on there, flavor it up a little bit, but it's all yours. Come on, really? When you hear that, you go, that is the silliest, dumbest thing I've ever heard. Jesus is trying to say is, come on, a giving, generous father, and then you're all good parents in many ways. When your kids ask for something, they are going to receive what they're asking for. Now, of course, you're saying there's, why don't we get answers to prayer? But that's all coming up in the next few weeks. But the idea that I want you to get here is the father that you are approaching is a giving and generous father. You do not approach him in a way where you're thinking that he is going to trick me. He is going to do some sort of bait and switch. I'm going to come there and I'm going to go, oh, God, I, I want to get married. I really, really want to get married. And uh, then he's going to say, oh, you really want to get married? Okay, here's somebody for you. <laughs> After a couple months, ah, you know what? I changed my mind. You don't need to get married anymore. That's not the father that we're approaching. We're approaching a father who really desires to give good gifts. Look what Jesus says. He says, if you then... Though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him? What is God giving? What is it that God is giving here? He is giving of himself. Do you see that? It's not just the gifts or the experience of God that's being asked for and given, but it is God himself. And I really think as we go throughout all of Scripture and just focusing on Luke 11 here is the complete, absolute idea that you must grasp is that the crux of prayer is about relationship with your Father. The ability to come and know that He is a giving and generous God. That His heart is for you. Now, how many of us hear our parents? Probably a lot of us. And I know you might not be parents yet, but you'll be parents in the future. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Trust me. Uh, there's a lot of headache. There's a lot of pain. Um, sometimes the kids are, dare I say, annoying. Not mine. Others. Yours. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. You know what I mean. If you're a parent, you get the idea. As a parent, I would love to give everything that I could possibly give to my kids. I can't. Okay. I, you know, I... In public, I apologize. I'm sorry, I can't give you everything, guys. But I can say from a heart perspective, one of the most enjoyable experiences that I have in life is just being with my kids. 
even if they're not asking for something. So if I'm going to the store, you know, I'll ask, hey, do you want to go with me? Of course, some of them, and I won't mention the three older ones, are at that age where they don't really want to go with me as much. And the little ones, I can't seem to get them off my neck like the littlest one, so it's kind of a, a flip. But the whole idea is my heart is passionate about my kids. I love my kids. Yes, sometimes they will see me as mean because actually I am mean. Sometimes in all of that, they'll think I'm sarcastic because yes, I am sarcastic. But my heart is for my children. From the oldest to the youngest. And I can tell you as a parent, when they hurt, I hurt. When somebody hurts them, it really bothers me. And I will say sometimes in my flesh, I want to strike out and make it right. Which, of course, would not make it right. It would make it wrong. But that's my heart. Because they're my kids. They're the very, very breath of, not more than Jesus, of course, to to qualify that. But they're just so much a part of my heart. I want what is best. I want to give them what is best. And when I can't do that, it hurts because there is relationship that is there. It is, is, and I don't know how they feel, but I can only say from my own perspective, there is a depth of love that I do not know how to quantify or qualify because I love God. My children. Now they might be embarrassed and you're all going to make fun of them later on because I'm saying all this. But it's still important for me to tell you know that that is the heart of a father. It is the heart of a mother. It is the heart of a parent because we just love our kids. And so when Jesus is asked, Lord, teach us how to pray. He doesn't say when you come, say eternal, majestic God, creator and sustainer of the earth. We, your servants, your robots, your whatever, are here to ask of thee. He says, when you pray, say, Father. It doesn't negate the majesty and eternality of God. But it is fleshed out in a person who has a heart for his children. A heart for his children. A heart that aches when they ache. That rejoices when they rejoice. That desires communion, fellowship, connection. And when you can grasp the greatness of this extravagant, unconditional, overabounding love that God has for you, for us, for the world... Prayer is no longer that duty, but it is that delight. Like, wow, it's really cool. I mean, could you imagine in, in the stress of all of your life and, and, and all the things that you have struggles with, maybe perhaps financially, one day Bill Gates knocks on your door and says, you know what, let's just sit down and let's talk. Let's work out a financial plan with you. And you know what? I've got a couple dollars laying around the bank account. I'm going to give you some of that small chump change that I have. And let's get some things moving. Maybe you need to go to school or or maybe you need to start a business. But I'm going to help you out with that. Wouldn't that be kind of amazing? Like Bill Gates, first of all, how would you even know I, I, I lived here? You don't work for Google, which is kind of creepy because they know everything, right? But you come to my house and you sit down. You bring dinner. You don't bring some cheap stuff, but you bring some really good stuff. And then you sit down and you say, hey, I really care about you. I want to listen to your difficulties. I want to listen to your problems. And you know what? Here's a couple million to get you started. We'd be flabbergasted. 
And yet we don't realize that our Father does it every day and wants to meet with us every moment possible because he wants to be with us. And I recently had a change of heart about the lottery. Not about winning it, because I would love to, but I don't play. And I, and I always think about, you know, what would I do if I won a big chunk of change? And I realized, you know what I would like to do for once? Rather than trying, like, to travel or build a ministry or whatever, I think I would just like to stay home and be with my kids. That sounds a little weird, you know, right? <laughs> what do you mean? Just, I just love being with my kids. That's the father heart of God. I just love being with you. So, what does Jesus say? He says, come. I'm inviting you. Here's the invitation. You want to know how to pray? Do this. Come. And when you come, say, Father. Father. And when you enter in to this communication with your Father, recognize it's not about the asking. But it's about the relating. Because it's you and your father together. Let's pray. <clears throat> what I'd like you to do is give us about maybe three to five minutes to just breathe. And uh, I want you to breathe relationship. And if God's doing something in your heart and he's telling you to work on something, that's fine. I don't want to stop that. But if you can, you can slow your heart and your mind and just focus on your father, not some distant person, but on someone who is near and close, someone who cares more than we know. And to rest in that, just rest just take the nesty plunge, fall in the water, and be immersed in or consumed by your father. Just take a few minutes. It's going to be silent. Maybe a piano will be playing, but otherwise it's just going to be silent. And I'm just going to let you be with your father. Father, draw us into worship. And not just today but many moments throughout the day thank you for just such an extravagant love that has given everything that is all in that is sacrificial to the point of death that we might have life thank you so much Father stir in us desire to be with you, our Father. Not so we can use your name, your position to get things that we want, but just to be with you. Lord, teach us to pray the way you want us to pray. Let ask that the distractions or the barriers or the things that we have built over the years that confuse what prayer really is, that you would break them all down and bring us to a place where relationship 
It's what matters most. Father, we want to know you and trust that you want to make yourself known more. Stir us. Lord, teach us to pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.